Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Apprenticeship Toolbox, the podcast where we explore our weekend messages at Stony Plain Alliance Church, and we ask how they help us be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus does. And I'm Matt, and I've got Graham here with me. So good to be with you, Matt. It's good to be with you, too. Uh, we've, we've just uh, fumbled over the last couple minutes, turning into a bit of uh, a laugh fest here, so we're going to try and be serious-ish at this point. We're always serious, right? Yeah. We never joke around behind never, the scenes, no. ever. Yep. No, there wasn't uncontrollable giggling coming from this side of the microphone at all. <laughs> so uh, uh, for those of you who tuned into our weekend messages, some of you were here, some of you were online. Uh, for those of you especially online, you probably noticed some uh, weirdness going on as nothing looked the way it should because mm. our cameras and our whole system went down a half an hour before the service. So uh, we want to just give you a little bit of background um, to what can kind of go wrong when you've, you've got in-house, online, and dealing with Stony Plain Internet all at the same time. So um, it starts, we'll, we'll actually go back um, to Thursday. Uh, I got a text message from Mike Hurd, our tech guy, saying, hey, our cameras have this update. We should run it. And we'd been waiting for this update, so we were really excited. We ran it. I, I put it through the cameras, and I went to control the cameras afterwards, and they were completely locked out and did nothing. And then panic hit. Yeah, it was a gong show for you, man. It sure was. I, I think I came into your office quite disheveled. You were sweating seven hours profusely. <laughs> yeah, it was a total mess. <laughs> From all different parts of your body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, we got we ended up getting them up and running on Thursday night. Mike and I got some some hard work going on there. Graham has lost it over there talking about the sweating profusely type, which is good. And then, uh, you know, Friday comes around and they do another update uh, just to fix the update and it takes one of our cameras out again. So hmm. we, I got that up and running again. And then we lost our settings. So we were getting all those built up and then the craziest thing happened right before our service where our band was playing, we were doing everything, and all of a sudden the power went out to half of the auditorium. So if you live in Oldstown, Stoney, you know you had no power on Sunday morning when church was happening, so you probably didn't join in. But we lost power to half our stuff here, mm. and uh, I looked at you, you looked at me, there was a little bit of panic. I looked at Mike, we were super confused because the band was still able to play. And uh, I just want to tell you, church, Mike Hurt is a hero. Mm. Mike uh, figured out how to relight because uh, all of our lights for the stage went out. So Mike figured out how to run power through the ceiling to all those lights and move it from power that didn't work to power that did work. Um, him and I got the, the computers up and running. But Mike really figured out how that we could still have church in the middle of a, a power outage and still broadcast into homes. So I want to apologize for those of you who are watching online and you, you had um, some footage that was highly suspect. Uh, you had some shadowy people, you had some overexposed people, but uh, we're just really grateful that we have someone on our team like Mike Hurd hmm. who can just figure this stuff out so well. And so, Mike, if you're listening, uh, we love you and we think you rock and uh, just appreciate the part you play in our church so well. It was uh, kind of very fitting for me because I, I ended up preaching in the dark and it's kind of like, you know, Half the time, I feel like I'm preaching in the dark anyway. <laughs> and so, Fair enough. Um, you know, not literally, but uh, Sunday I got to do it literally. And uh, so it was, it was fitting. But you know what? Uh, church was church. Even though it wasn't uh, technically perfect, all those things are out of our control mm -hmm. and uh, still had a sense that, uh, that God showed up in our midst. God was so present with us. Yeah. And it was, it was wonderful having uh, worship. Uh, Clark and the team were so fun to, mm -hmm. to have lead yeah, us. Yeah, it was good. And yeah, it was a great morning. And it was so, good. 
Yeah, and so Graham, on on Sunday you preached about Psalm twenty three. So yeah, uh, for those of you who weren't here um, and maybe didn't check out online, you 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 wouldn't know that we're in this series called P.S. Postscript, or Graham likes to refer to it as parting well, shots. Well, I think that was your idea, Maddie. Uh, somebody's. It's hard to tell. <laughs> and um, in this series, Graham's been talking through some of the last things he wants to say to us as a congregation because we're down to our last few messages with you, and you're yeah. in your final my final month here. Yeah. And so, Graham, uh, this week you talked about Psalm 23. And I'm just wondering, why is Psalm 23 so significant to you? Yeah. And then why did you preach on it? Well, good question. I mean, the, the series comes out of, uh, you know, some of the major themes, uh, biblical themes and truths that have impacted me, shaped me, and then in turn has shaped our, our church community as I preach through those. And um, so going back to Psalm 23, I've preached on it, you know, through the years, um, numerous times, uh, and at least drawing themes out of Psalm 23 numerous times. And, um, you know, one of the reasons I preached out of it is because it comes out of uh, a very tumultuous time for David. Um, Mm -hmm. This was not an easy time, and I referenced that time when he's on the run from his son Absalom. And, um, you know, he's stripped of his kingship and his reputation, and his, uh, one of his best friends even turns against him. And so when, when we think of Psalm 23, we oftentimes think of this calm, serene setting that David is in, but it's not. It's actually a very, very challenging and tumultuous environment. And then it comes out of a very tumultuous time for me. I won't go into all the details. I've told the story a number of times in our congregation, but God really mm-hmm. met me through this psalm, uh, particularly the first line, uh, which you know, says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. And in that tumultuous time where I was feeling pretty empty and burned out, uh, the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, very directly, if I am your shepherd, then why are you in this place of want? Mm. And uh, that was one of those, you know, light bulb moments for me where I realized that I just, you know, it's not that I had never given God space or access into my life, but there were areas of my life that I just needed to allow God to shepherd me through. Mm. And um, and so then there's that piece. And then the third piece is, is the, our current tumultuous time. I mean, we're in a, we're now in a state of emergency in Alberta with this pandemic, and uh, it's a very tumultuous time. It's a tumultuous time economically. It's a tumultuous time relationally, mm-hmm. um, and uh, there are all sorts of unknown factors um, in this pandemic. We know that people are struggling with mental health issues. Uh, we know that there are physical health issues. Um, more and more, uh, COVID is spreading in our region. Uh, it really is a thing. I mean, Alberta has uh, has had had a record number of cases. Um, on Saturday, we had 1,731 cases, and then on Sunday, 1,600 cases. And watching the numbers uh, increase in our hospitals, people going into hospital and ICU. Parkland County, 127 cases. Spruce Grove, 133 cases. Spruce uh, Stony Plain, 56 cases. And so that those numbers continue to creep up. And, and even though, mm-hmm. you know, 56 doesn't seem like a lot in Stony Plain, when you look at the overall picture in Alberta, um, and uh, it, it doesn't look great. No, it doesn't. And does so it? we're in a very tumultuous time, and I recognize mm-hmm. that. And Psalm 23 comes out of that. And even though it's, you know, Sunday was the first Sunday of Advent, and we led our congregation in Advent reading. And mm-hmm. I didn't reference Advent specifically in the message, but um, as you think about it, um, it really is, uh, you know, Advent is all about looking for, hoping for um, the return of Christ, mm-hmm. uh, to shine light into the darkness, to set all things right, um, yep. to bring the new creation, to bring the kingdom in its fullness into our world. And it's a season of hoping and longing and bringing all of our despair and bringing all of our anxiety and uh, all of our longings to, to God mm-hmm. and asking him to meet those longings in the midst of our 
period of waiting for the return of Christ. And, and so when you look at Psalm 23, even though it's not a classic Advent psalm, it really is uh, a psalm about the uh, relationship with this great shepherd mm-hmm. who, um, who really fulfills our longings. Yeah. And so Advent is a season of longing. Yeah. And, uh, and Psalm 23 begins with, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He, he meets the longings and the desires of our hearts. Mm-hmm. And then if you look at... Um, you know, one of the great themes of Scripture is God is shepherd. Um, mm-hmm. Ezekiel chapter 34, God says uh, to the shepherds of Israel, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord as surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord. You abandoned my flock and you left them attacked by every wild animal. And even though you were my shepherds, you didn't search for my sheep when they were lost. You took care of yourselves and left the sheep to starve. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I now consider these shepherds my enemies, and I will hold them responsible for what's happened to my flock. So God talks about the fact that he says later on, I myself will search and find my sheep. And then later on, Jesus comes along. And in John chapter 10, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes through that whole, you know, sort of um, the, the metaphor of him being the shepherd of his people. And interestingly, the verse right, out, right following that metaphor, it says the Jews were angry at him and wanted to kill him. Why? Because he was claiming to be God. Yeah, he's <laughs> also calling them out too. Exactly, like, totally. You, you are the Ezekiel shepherds yeah. too. So Advent is the season of looking forward to the return of our great shepherd to come and shepherd mm-hmm. our world. Yeah, we can kind of lose that sometimes in, in all the Christmas busyness where... We, we just think, oh, this is, these are the days that we celebrate. Mm. Really, Advent is a season where we, we, we wait in anticipation. Yeah. It's the season of the O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which we referenced a number of times in the Advent reading this week. Yeah. And we, we look forward to the day that, just like Israel looked forward to Jesus arriving in the first place, we look forward to Jesus arriving again to, to set all things new. Yeah. And, and uh, Psalm 78 points to David's leadership. You know, David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skilled hands he led them. Mm-hmm. You know, David being that um, messianic king mm-hmm. through which the messianic promise would be fulfilled. And, you know, you see Jesus really coming and fulfilling that uh, in its fullness. Jesus fulfills that fully um, mm-hmm. in his leadership. And so... Um, when, when you think about shepherding, oftentimes people think of shepherding as, you know, pastoral care. He's a shepherd. He's a shepherd. We mm. oftentimes hear that, and that's oftentimes, pastors are oftentimes referred to as shepherds because they can, they can do pastoral care well, but that's not the definition of shepherding mm. in the scriptures. No. Right? A so shep- what is it? Well, it really, I mean, it really is uh, leading the way that, that Jesus would lead his people. And Jesus talks about the fact that the shepherd is willing to lay his life down for his sheep. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a it's a sacrificial form of leadership where we're not serving ourselves. And that was the, you know, that was the, the slam on the shepherds in Ezekiel is that they were looking out for themselves, but they weren't looking out for the flock. Mm-hmm. And so they, they were failing to serve the needs of the flock. They were just actually doing it for their own uh, purposes and their own benefit. And so... Yep. Servant, servant leadership, really, you go to another, sort of another metaphor, but leading as a servant really is, is what a shepherd is, someone mm-hmm. who's willing to, to lay their, their best interests aside, to lay their, their own interests aside and look out for the interests of other people. Yep. And so we see that, in, again, in Jesus' totally form of leadership. Right. And we talked about this in our, you know, in our, our previous series, that uh, if we're going to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, it means that we're going to live as servants. Somebody said to me this week, we're not called to servant leadership. We're called to, 
We're called to servant living. And when we lead, we're supposed to lead as servants as well. Hmm. Just because we're not leading doesn't mean that we're not called to servanthood, right? And no, so, exactly. We're yeah. all just called to servanthood. That's good. That's a good word. I, I thought that was really good. I was, uh, I was encouraged by that, inspired by that. So anyway, just thinking in terms of what it means to be a shepherd, it's not... Um, it's not doing pastoral care. That might be one element of Yeah, there's the element of caring of for the sheep. But but it's it's serving the needs of the people, mm-hmm. right? And that's what Jesus does so so well. Yeah. So then my next question would be then how do we allow Jesus to shepherd us? Mm. Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. Um so uh, last week in the message we talked about four things that God does in his shepherding care of us and then obviously it goes beyond this. Um but we talked about the fact that God shepherds us by restoring our souls, right? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside streams of quiet water and he restores my soul. That's an interesting picture because, um, you know, we always, again, we think of green pastures as something we might see in New Zealand because we have the, the picture of the green pastures in New Zealand. Yeah, this is Middle Earth, man. Or Australia. Comes back to that. And uh, these fluffy white sheep um, running through a green pasture, skipping through a green pasture, it all is so calm and serene. And yet when you go to Israel, because this is the context of David's life mm-hmm. in the tumultuous period that he was found himself in, he was in the wilderness, which is dry desert. A green pasture is nothing like that. Um, a green pasture is actually just a, a short tuft of grass sticking through dry ground. And you, if you mm-hmm. look on the hillside, it, particularly in the spring, you'll see these little tufts and it looks like a green hillside, but when you walk on it, you, you realize that it's, it's actually very sparse green grass and the sheep will go through there and graze through there in one day. And, and then the shepherd will lead them to another green pasture. So here's the principle in this is that God doesn't provide everything that we need today forever. He provides enough for today. And that's what David is recognizing, that God leads him from one green pasture to the next, and his needs are met every day. His mercies are new every morning. And so it's trusting God each day to lead you to that green pasture. Mm-hmm. And so... A little give us this day our daily bread, if you will. Totally. Huh. Absolutely. So we, we want everything now. We want to mm-hmm. know that, that tomorrow we'll be taken care of, and the day after that, and the day after that, and we'll be you know, taken care of when we're into our mm-hmm. 70s, 80s, or 90s, or whatever Yeah, we're really obsessed with retirement, right? Absolutely, yeah. And making sure we're okay for the rest of our lives. Right. right? But it, That's it, not uh, the economy of the kingdom. It's a daily trust, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so what does it look? What does it look like? Restoring our soul. He's a God who He's a God who restores our souls. And uh, you know, we we are we can take care of our outer disciplines, but it's actually God that has to has to meet us and restore our souls. And we've talked about this often in our church, and I think it's it's important that we we give the Holy Spirit access to. Uh, every part of our our souls, the inner being, we can have access to the outer being. We can take care of ourselves outwardly, but when we think about ourselves inwardly, uh, we we don't really know how to care for our souls. The Holy Spirit is the one that actually the Comforter is the one who actually comes in and cares for our souls. He renews us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're being transformed day in and day out by the work of the Holy Spirit. And so, oftentimes though, we don't give Him access to our our lives. And so, you know, are there areas of of shame? Uh, that we need uh, to be released from. Um, we need to give him access to those. Are, are there areas of pain uh, that we need him to, uh, to address and to comfort us in? Uh, we need to give him those. Are there lies that we've believed? Uh, that's mm-hmm. part of our soul life. Um, yeah. we, need to, we need those lies to be broken. And so, so the ability, uh, you know, when you think about letting God shepherd us is are we willing to give him access? 
Yeah, exactly. To our souls. So that'd be the first step in allow in receiving God's shepherding is yeah. giving him access. Yeah, I think that that whole idea of God restoring our souls in, mm-hmm. in the New Testament, it's it's the Holy Spirit really who has access mm-hmm. to to our inner world, to our inner being. Yeah, the streams of living water, Jesus talks about. Exactly. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, that's great. And then um, you talked about, you know, walking in his path right. is related to that too. So how does that work out? How do we walk in yeah, he leads, he leads me in right paths. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Some versions say in that, that word, paths, is like a well-worn rut. Um, mm-hmm. That is very obvious. It's not uh, a hidden trail. It's actually a, a very obvious um, worn path in the dirt. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting that it says he leads me along well-worn paths, right paths, because... Um, you know, you would think that the path is so obvious you wouldn't need leading down the path, and yet sheep will wander away from uh, from the right path, even though it's an obvious path in the dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, and how often are we prone to wander away from God's word, from mm-hmm. his laws, his ways? It's, it's there for us. It's spelled out, um, and yet we're still prone to wander away from those. And so what we're talking about here is staying in relationship with the shepherd and following mm-hmm. him in obedience one day at a time, one step at a time, um, so that we continue in the ways that are right, mm-hmm. right, that are God's ways. And so one of the things that that I think you you and I talked about this is just the, the reality of, of reading Scripture and being in Scripture. Yeah, how essential that is, right? It's hard to have a, a worldview based around the scriptures and an apprenticeship relationship with Jesus that doesn't have the scriptures be foundational in it, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, and even as you're talking, one of the other things that I was thinking about is uh, just the lordship issue that we keep coming mm-hmm. back to, too. That it's that that prone to wander, which sounded vaguely familiar. Maybe you could write a hymn about that. Uh, I, <coughs> I should. Yeah, that'd be good. But we're prone to wander because we want to, even though we know that the best life is found in Jesus, in the truest life, in the life we were designed to, we still want to go our own way. Right. And we want to have our needs met and beyond that, even our desires met. And when we chase after those things, that's where we get off track. Mm-hmm. So having these spaces and to reorient our lives around Christ is so essential. And, and one of the best spaces we can have to do that is through the scriptures. Right. Yeah, reading, reading the word, reflecting on the word, meditating on the word. Praying the word. Uh, praying the word, yeah. making sure that God's word becomes internalized, not mm-hmm. just uh, something that's head knowledge, but actually something that we grow. And that, that's the intent of it. Um, I, I found uh, a survey that was done in 2019 that says that about one-third of Christians um, say that they read the Bible daily. Uh, one-third. Um, and so I, I find that rather alarming to think that this is the way that God's provided for us to stay in relationship with him, to understand his will and his purpose. Now, obviously, the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Mm-hmm. He has to illuminate that. He has to uh, help us to understand the word of God. But if, if this is the primary way for us to understand God's will and to walk in God's ways under the direction and influence of the indwelling spirit... Um, you know, if only one-third of our people are engaged in reading the Word on a daily basis, what does that mean for the rest? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what does that look like for the rest? If we're dependent on a Sunday sermon um, to direct us, you know, we're, we're only getting it once a week, um, and mm-hmm. most people are not in church every week. 
uh, despite what people might say or think, the reality is, is uh, the, the, the study shows that most people in Canada attend church uh, three out of seven Sundays. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, three out of seven, um, what is that? That's about... Uh, it's about twice a month almost. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the reality is, is that most of our people are not engaged in reading the word on a daily basis. Um, 12% of people in that survey said they didn't read their Bible at all. These are, these are people who, are, who call themselves followers of Jesus. And so um, that's concerning, right? And so it is. I mean, it's hard to know like the one you follow without the scriptures. Like, right. One thing I challenge uh, those who are getting baptized with uh, often is to just go read the Gospels, read, pick one: Matthew, Mark, mm-hmm. Luke, John, and and reflect as you you read through. Is this the kind of Jesus I want to follow? And if somebody's never uh, engaging in the scriptures. Who, who, who's your primary information on who Jesus right. is? Like, uh, it's important to, to keep soaking in this because it, it's really easy to get off track on what right. Jesus actually requires of us and who Jesus is actually right. calling us to be and so who he is. So some people will read theological books. They'll read devotional and inspirational books. Uh, they'll read uh, cutting-edge books on all the, you know, the new progressive ideas and um, it's it's okay to read those books. It's not a mm-hmm. it's not a bad thing. But if you're never ever in the scripture, you're actually, you know, you're not doing yourself a favor in terms of connecting with God. And I'm not suggesting that God doesn't work through all of those means. He can work through books. He has in my life, as I've read does. some great yeah. authors. Um, but you know, it has to the foundational piece of reading and engagement for a follower of Christ has to be the Word of God. And mm-hmm. so let me put a plug in for you if you're listening to this. Um, become inspired to read the Word of God. Uh, I want to encourage you to read the Word of God, to get into it. It's one of the ways that God shepherds you uh, through life. And um, if you want Him to shepherd you along His right paths, it's, it's really going to come out of the foundational practice of reading His Word. Then you're free to read all sorts of things that will encourage you to grow, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even help expand your thinking a little bit. But get get into God's Word. Even if you don't understand it, I would encourage you to read it over and over and over again because the Spirit of God indwells you. And uh, if you are reading the Scripture, and I think if one of the experiences that I've had is I've read through a text and I haven't understood it, and then I've gone back and read it multiple times. And uh, as I've read it, it it started to become clear to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's the work of God's Spirit, illuminating uh, our hearts and our minds to the Word of God. Yeah, illumination is, uh, if you don't know this doctrine of the Church, that just as the Holy Spirit inspired the authors to write what Mm. they did then, He inspires our reading today, Mm. that He's still speaking the same way, and He's applying Scripture to our lives. And so uh, encountering God through the Scriptures is vital. Yeah, and I don't think we could, we can say that enough. Right, right. So, um, going back to last week's talk, find someone to do this with. If if you're if you find this difficult to uh, engage with scripture regularly, uh, hold find someone to hold you accountable in the best way to say, hey, let's let's both read um, the Bible every day. Maybe you pick a reading plan on the Bible app, or or you've just discovered some other way to do that. And then check in with one another, like, once a week, how's that going? What, what's God been saying to you? Mm-hmm. How have you interacted with it? And, and ask each other questions about the scriptures that will help, uh, help it sink in mm-hmm. deeper than just a, well, I read it, but I was tired, so I don't really know what I got out of it. Mm-hmm. 
you know, so. And then the other, the, the third piece is recognizing his presence in dark valleys. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think what I would say is walking with him through the dark valleys, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death or the, the, the deep dark valleys, some um, versions state that, uh, say it that way. I think um, what that looks like is just recognizing the presence of God in the midst of all of life, uh, even through the deep dark valleys. And we're in a deep dark valley right now in terms of our whole whole culture. And God says, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He's with us in the midst of that. So practicing the presence of God in the midst of those deep dark valleys. I, from my own experience, one of the things I do uh, after I read my Bible is to just practice God's presence. Um, you know, I, I have a a prayer life where I pray through certain things, um, and and that's good. Um, that's sort of a, a a habit or a discipline that I have. But then there's also this other piece that I started to develop uh, about 11 or 12 years ago, and that's just practicing the presence of Jesus. You know, for for 10 minutes in the morning, or sometimes even five minutes in the morning, to just sit in the presence of Jesus and to recognize His presence, regardless of what's going on in my life, whether it's a good thing, yay, thank you Jesus for being with me in the good thing, or a bad thing, thank you Jesus for being with me in this deep dark valley. And um, and so I think that that's one of the things that you can practice is practicing the presence of God consciously doing that. A friend of mine um, set an alarm on his phone. Uh, once an hour to remind him to just sit for, you know, 10 seconds, 15 seconds at that moment and practice the presence of God. And so there's ways that you can do that. And I think um, that would be one of the ways that you can let him shepherd you. That's great. That's really great. Okay. And then fourthly, if we could just jump to the last one. Yeah, let's just and, go there. And, that, and yeah. that's welcoming his friendship. The last, you know, that it, the, the metaphor changes from shepherd to host. And the whole idea of host is that God offers us hospitality, friendship, that... Uh, that looks like um, a friend who's willing to die for the person who's in his home and mm -hmm. uh, so they can live in the, the house of the Lord forever. And that whole idea is, uh, you know, again, pointing forward to Jesus, who is the one who goes to the cross and gives his life for his friends so that, so that they can become eternal friends with the Father and live in mm -hmm. his house forever. Mm. Well, that's interesting. You know, like as you're talking about, I was thinking of Lot and how... Lot would, was protecting um, the angels that had visited mm. him, and Jesus here is the better Lot. Right, and that's that's a really, really cool picture of hospitality that you're you're painting. Um, I wonder if you could touch on this for a second, because uh, I was trying to operate the cameras and I was a little distracted. You said something about the my head overflows with oil, and you said that there was something mm. interesting about it. Do, oh, you yeah. mind, do you mind jumping back oh, into uh, that? My, my cup. Over my head, no, I'm sorry, my, my cup head overflows. Yeah, I, I, yeah he, he anoints my head with oil, right? Mm -hmm. And my and my cup overflows. So, the whole imagery of that obviously is the the anointing is is God's blessing or the blessing of somebody uh, that somebody has over another person's life. They anoint their head with oil and they bless them. And then the other aspect of my cup overflowing. When we were in Israel, we learned that the overflowing cup was actually not a glass of wine, which some people wish it were a glass of Cabernet right. Sauvignon, but it's not. It's actually a it's actually a small cup of tea, and they drink tea in very small cups. And um, they would pour the cup so full that you hold the cup with your forefinger and your thumb. And if your cup is overflowing, which is a sign of friendship, your thumb is actually burnt. And so it's the burning thumb of friendship. Mm. If your thumb burns on the, on the tea, you know that you have a friend uh, for life and a friend who will protect you and give his life for you. That's, and, uh, That's a cool picture. It is. And so when David talks about the overflowing cup, what he's talking about, um, what I learned he was talking about was this teacup that was overflowing so full that it would burn your thumb and be a sign to you that, that, that your host is willing to give his life for you. Cool. So is that what happened to the back of your hand? That's not what happened to the back of my hand. Um, 
Yeah. I noticed you had a bandage on on Sunday. Well, and I, I, I've I had a bandage happened. on for a few weeks, yeah. and somebody asked me what happened to your hand, and I, and I said to them, I was reaching for the last piece of cake, and Wendy got her fork out and stuck it in the back of my hand. <laughs> but that's not actually true. <laughs> I burned it with coffee. Yeah. Your cup overflowed that day, too. My oh. cup overflowed in the wrong way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, then if God is our primary shepherd, what's the role of the church in people's lives? Mm. You know, we, we, we hear all sorts of things of yeah. what the church is for, but what do you think? I think you're referencing that study that I talked about yeah, the reveal on Sunday, study the Reveal, reveal. Study. Yeah. yeah. So Reveal Study showed that people who were in the church the longest, who were the most involved, um, were the most, quote-unquote, mature, were the most dissatisfied with the church. Hmm. And uh, one of the things that they, they realized is that um, those who were in the church the longest, who had grown up in the church and con- were considered the most mature, actually had the highest expectations on the church and expected the church to do for them what only God could do. They had not equipped people to actually engage God pr- properly. It's not mm-hmm. that they hadn't equipped people at all, but they, they hadn't equipped them to enter into a shepherding relationship with God. And they were looking to the church to do for them what only God could do for them. Yeah, they created. They talked about creating a culture of dependence on the church instead of Christ, right? Exactly. And so, you know, where do your primary, uh, how are your primary needs met? As a mature believer, um, they're, they're met through God. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're not met through the church. They're actually met through God. They're not met through a pastor. A pastor's a, a human under-shepherd that can never, ever provide for all of the needs of the people. Mm-hmm. Um, never. Uh, so what what is the role of the church then? That's that's the question that we have to ask. And you know the reality is is that all of us who serve in the church or servant leaders in the church, uh, the role of the church is to equip people to encounter the great shepherd. And so as an under shepherd, my role isn't to be the primary shepherd of people. It's actually to uh, equip them to create an environment where they can connect with and be shepherded by the great shepherd Jesus himself. Because Jesus is alive and he lives and he's in the midst of his people mm-hmm. and, and wants to shepherd them. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's part of the good news of the gospel, right? It's, yeah. it's not like we come to church to have all of our needs met. We come to church so that we can continue to grow in a relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. and become even more deeply connected to him. The, the phrase that I used, I came across it a while back, was to become independently dependent on him. Mm-hmm. It's not that we don't need each other. We obviously need one another, but... But it's to really become so uh, connected to Christ and, and mature in Christ that that our primary needs are met in Jesus. Yeah. And it's it's you know the role of the church really is to take those who are newbies who are new in faith or you know use the word immature though that sounds negative but I'm not using it in a negative context. It's like a newborn baby mm-hmm. when somebody's new in Christ when they're first born you take care of them. You are the primary source of their food. You are continuing to care for them and you become the primary source of their care. But as they grow up, you want them to care for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? like if my kids are, are healthy, there's no reason they should be as dependent on me 20 years from now as they are today. Right. Right. If my son, who's, you know, boys or girls are in their 30s, if they still want me to cut up their steak for them and feed it to them mm-hmm. and they throw a tantrum if I don't, there's something wrong. I think you're in my house on the weekend. <laughs> there's something, something there's something here. wrong with yeah. my parenting. There's something wrong with the relationship that I've de- formed with them. My goal as a parent is to actually help them become more independent, mm-hmm. right? To, to not depend on me. I don't want them living in my house. I don't want them cu- I don't want to have to cut up their food for them. 
they can feed themselves and they can care for themselves. And so if you're a mature Christian and you're still looking to the church to be your primary source of care, you're still looking to the church to be your primary source of feeding. If you're still looking to the church to be primarily anything for you in relationship with Jesus. Yeah, to be your primary connection with Jesus. Primarily. Right. right? Like, you, you, I want to say this gently, but but straightforwardly, you have a wrong view of the church and you haven't really developed the kind of relationship that's yours in Christ, hmm. uh, with God that's yours in Christ. You have you have so much more. And this isn't a word of condemnation. It's just oh, it's the reality. There's, there's more. more. There's yeah. more. There's more for you. And so, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. All right. Well, um, part of the way that we access the more is through our apprenticeship toolbox that we oh. talk about each week. We, we want to help equip you to to have the more. And, and so we offer things that we, we've seen, things that we've experienced. And uh, today we want to center our toolbox around engaging scripture, that around just what we've talked about, the necessity of, of being people who, who encounter the living God through the scriptures. And so uh, this is one that I was actually introduced to on one of our outpouring nights. So our, our, our old prayer nights, we did one I, I first showed up here four years ago. Uh, it was Anne Graham who was leading us through this, and, and I know you've probably experienced this before that, but for me this was new. It was praying uh, Psalm 23. And so uh, Anne had us pray it once, um, just normal, or read it once, just normal, and and have like, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing, and just keep it in, in that. But then she invited us to pray it again uh, and put our name in the place. So. It would go like this. The Lord is Matt's shepherd. Matt lacks nothing. He makes, makes Matt lie down in green pastures. He leads Matt beside quiet waters. He refreshes Matt's soul. And just reading it through that way. It took something that was so familiar, and it internalized it. And then she had us read it again and pray it on behalf of somebody so the Lord is Graham's shepherd. Graham lacks nothing. He makes Graham lie down in green pastures. He leads Graham beside quiet waters. He refreshes Graham's soul. And I really invite you, find time. This is a long psalm. But meditate on this psalm and prayerfully, going and personalizing this. Pray this for yourself. Realize on your behalf the Lord shepherding of you. And then pray this for someone else too. Maybe it's uh, your spouse, your kids, your grandkids, a co-worker, your life group leader, um, a neighbor. But pray this on their behalf and invite the Spirit of God to make this real in your day. And so that's the toolbox for today. Uh, Graham, is there anything else you wanted to add in? I, I just say, say, I just echo that and say amen. Um, just encouraging our people to engage in the Word of God. Um, you can't believe the number of times where my heart and my mind have been set right um, through a really brief time in the Word of God, and it's made all the difference for me. Um, and I realized that if I'd not engaged in God's Word, how far off course mm-hmm. I would have gone. Um, and so just continuing to do that on a regular basis the the little habits you know just the the little habits that we that we form every day develop into uh into a larger life right and mm-hmm. so they really do yeah 
Yeah. So thanks, Matt, for encouraging us to do that. Thank you. So we'll wrap it up here. Thank you for joining us today on the Apprenticeship Toolbox. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Thank you.